HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese, where cheesemakers have been making award-winning cheese for generations. Go to wisconsincheese.com to order directly from Wisconsin dairies to your home. This week on Meet and 3, we look at how we've adapted to a new normal during the pandemic. From the business of restauranteering and the new habits of composters to learning from the past to prepare for the future, we're exploring what came before and what lies ahead. People in charge of the collections and the acquisitions looked at me and were like, what the hell are you trying to sell me cookery for? These kids are so young and we're teaching them that it's okay to throw out all this food and we have to figure out a way to educate these students to make them, you know, lifelong environmentalists. Tune in to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts for the latest stories in the world of food. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 155 countries around the world. It used to be about a million listens a month, but who knows what that is now. Maybe it's more because people have been spending a lot of time inside listening to podcasts. Maybe it's less because they've been spending time doing other things. It's a strange time. We are coming to you from New York City. I'm in New York City. Our guests, Janique and Anthony Edwards, are in Brooklyn. We are recording this via Zencaster on Sunday, June 21st. And that's of note because we will say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening and around the world. And Happy Father's Day to Anthony, who I believe this is your first Father's Day. Thank you so much. It is. And extra special thanks for you taking the time today um, and taking a break out of your Father's Day festivities. Janique and Anthony Edwards are the founders of an app called Eat Okra, and it is your guide to Black-owned restaurants. And we first met and had them on the show back in November of 2018, and their first episode of Tech Bytes debuted in January 2019. Um, I believe that's episode 164. And at that point in time, uh, the app had been out for a little over a year, and the two of them had just gotten married but we're not parents yet. So we have a lot of uh, evolutions and progress happening with Team Eat Okra (laughs) since your last visit. So thank you for coming back. And let's talk about what has been happening with Eat Okra since 
January of 2019, which seems eons and eons ago. Um, the three of us had a conversation to get ready for the show, and I also listened to the past episode um, to just catch up on things. And what was so interesting about that moment in time is that people had big been on a trajectory of being more and more interested in who owns the businesses that they support. And I think in a broad sense, a lot of that interest and notation was coming out of the 2016 election, was coming out of the Me Too movement. We were talking a lot about women-owned restaurants and women-owned businesses. We were talking about who the owners are of businesses and who they support politically with the finances from those businesses. And Eat Okra had kind of come out of that moment as well, but in a little bit of a community sense. Um, Janique, why don't you tell us about 2016 and how you and Anthony came up with the idea initially? Yeah, so um, the idea for Eat Okra was, we came about it kind of organically. you know, a part of it was we were kind of motivated by um, all of the racial rhetoric that was, you know, being discussed and talked about uh, uh, preceding the the 2016 um, presidential election and, you know, the campaigns and all of that. But I had just moved to Brooklyn. Um, Anthony and I were dating at the time, and I just moved to Brooklyn um, from the Bronx, Um, This is my first time living alone. And, you know, we were kind of just, I was so excited to have my own place that when I moved in, I had like no furniture, you know, nothing, absolutely nothing. It was literally just us, the place. And I think we had like an air mattress. (laughs) So, you know, um, no furniture, no stove, no refrigerator or anything like that. So we um, we had to venture out to, to get food. And we actually kind of came up with the idea or the concept for Eat Okra just sitting on the living room floor trying to figure out what we wanted to eat that night. But also, you know, being very uh, considerate of what was going on at the time. And the fact that Brooklyn was very new to me and to Anthony. Um, So we kind of just started doing some research, you know, what's in the area, you know, particularly what's black owned, you know. And we started seeing all these lists pop up, pop up and, you know, all these bloggers and writers uh, were producing all of these lists and content online, you know, just talking about all the black businesses that were in not just Brooklyn, but in New York City. And Anthony at the time, you know, he was kind of mulling over the idea of an app. He wanted to create an app. He kept saying it to me over and over again. I want to make an app. I want to make an app as a sort of personal challenge for himself as a developer. But he just didn't know, you know, what kind of app he wanted to make. And it was at that moment that I was like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you kind of created an app that would take all of this information and just made it, you know, easy to 
to access and, you know, to share. And that's basically how eOkra came about. So challenge accepted. And Anthony, do you feel like you definitely were successful at the challenge? You launched the first version in 2017. Here we are, uh, 2020, so three years later, and your app is increasingly more and more successful with more and more downloads, more and more entries, and more and more functionality now from the original one. So do you feel like uh, your challenge to yourself as a developer has been satisfied now? Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I think there's, there's still more to give, but you know, right where we're at, I think it's the perfect perfect uh, for what we've done you know the two of us have been able to accomplish and you know with with currently about 180 downloads you know I'd say that we're on we've got something going and uh, I'm excited to continue you know what we've done and, and put put it in front of more people so when we spoke back in 2018 you were at about 200 cities in the United States you had about uh, 1200 eateries you very specifically um, were listing restaurants that were had black ownership, so a minimum of 50 or 51% ownership, and a little bit of a distinction between having a black-led restaurant where maybe the chef or the maitre d' or the sommelier or the beverage person was black, but maybe if the restaurant wasn't necessarily black ownership. So a little bit of a distinction between those two things. Tell us where you are today in terms of the numbers. Uh, so we've grown to, uh, we're still in the same cities. Uh, we've just added more restaurants to each city. Um, as well as like, you know, some, some restaurants here and there that we've been able to add. Um, yeah, we're still 50% ownership. And we've grown to 2,600 restaurants nationwide. And we have a huge list to process in the coming months, month, hopefully we can get it done in a month, a month and a half. But we have an additional list of 5,000 restaurants that we would like to add. So how do you build the list? Tell us where the list comes from. Uh, the list is pretty much all um, submissions, submission to us. So, you know, it, within our app or our website, um, you can submit a restaurant to us. So that's where it's coming from. It's crowd crowdsourced. Which is exactly what apps in the internet are built for, is crowdsourcing around specific points of interest. So you have a backlog of over more than 5,000 restaurants to add, and currently the staff of Eat Okra is how many people? Uh, three. Myself, Janique, and another partner. So that is the segue into tell us now about the uh, crowdfunding campaign that you just launched on Thursday this week. It's now the time as you're looking to crowdfund and raise money to expand the operation. Yes. Yes. So uh, we launched on Friday and um, it's been going great so far. Uh, that money is going to go towards adding more staff to us, to our, um, you know, what we've got going on. We definitely need a dedicated team of people i'd say to you know verify the restaurants get all the data uh connect with the owners of these restaurants and get them going so that you know consumers can use them 
So something that we talked about getting ready for the call, um, whenever, you know, you're a founder of a tech company or an app company, there's always, a, you know, one-year plan, five-year plan of how you're going to grow and accelerate. And there's usually a fundraising element somewhere early on in there. And talk to us a little bit about what your game plan was coming into 2020 and how, you know, the recent events between COVID and then the Black Lives Matters protest have put a different lens onto your game plan. So the game plan, I had set goals for like, I wanted 10,000 followers on, on Instagram. I wanted 25,000 downloads, which would have been double what we got last year. And uh, I had always planned on doing a campaign at some point this summer probably more like August or September, like late August, beginning September. Um, but with everything that's happened in the last, around June 1st, uh, with COVID, well, actually with COVID and everything and uh, everything later the past month, um, and the, basically like the increase of demand we've seen, like people downloading the app and stuff like that, um, it was important that we move up our timeline to for our crowdfund. To, um, to really just help expedite everything we need because people are really asking for more restaurants from us. So if people are interested in checking out the crowdfunding campaign while they're listening to the episode, you can find it on fundblackfounders.com slash projects slash eat okra. They're looking to raise $100,000 um, and the campaign will end on August 8th. So far, they're almost at about 11,000, and that's only in at less than a week. So, and that's 10%. So 10% in less than a week, you should definitely, it looks like you're on track to definitely hit your goal. I hope so. Uh, yeah, we yeah, hope so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. One of the things that is uh, interesting about uh, the app is when we talked back in 2018, Um, It was an interesting conversation in terms of talking about how important it is for people. Are people really interested or concerned or seeking out the ownership of the businesses that they are going to support, restaurant or otherwise? And there had just been a bunch of campaigns for Women's History Month doing, you know, women-owned restaurants. Um, Coming in, you know, certainly with Black History Month, there's always Black-owned restaurants. And it was something still that was a little bit of a unique, not a unique idea, but something that was gaining traction in the media and was something more of a promotional around a celebration of a specific event in time, but wasn't part of the day-to-day metrics that we use when we're looking for a restaurant or when we're deciding to go for a restaurant. And at that point in time, none of the reservation platforms or restaurant guide platforms had any data about the ownership that you could search. You couldn't search locally owned or black owned or women owned or any other ownership um, within the different categories. And, you know, I did a little bit of a very informal survey getting ready for this episode, and you still kind of can't search restaurants. That, That data point two years later has not been 
added to any of the databases. Um, I did read recently that just, um, I think it was last week, Yelp said that they're developing a search item, a search component to be able to um, search Black-owned restaurants and for restaurants to be able to add that as uh, you know, data point and a sort point. But otherwise, it really isn't. And you also don't really have any competitors at this point a few years later after it's come out. Do you think that this moment in time will um, spawn more apps or more competitors to eat okra? Um, I wouldn't say that we don't have any competitors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, but we are very, uh, we're very specific in in that we are focusing um, particularly on black food and beverage. Um... So I think, yeah, I think eventually I think people will start to to expand and and bigger companies will kind of catch on and and try to to uh, implement some type of, you know, sorting or filtering uh, feature that will allow um, users to to do that. It's an interesting idea um, about what data points will become sort of par for the course and part of our everyday uh, expectation and consideration set. And, you know, something else that we talked about, which is interesting, is years and years ago, when it comes to food, people were not asking questions about if their food was organically raised, if it was raised locally, if it was raised by a local farm, if... Uh, the coffee they're drinking was fair trade and all those different types of things. Years ago, they didn't exist. Even recently as a few years ago, they didn't exist. And as people become uh, more aware of different, you know, traits, characteristics, ways that, you know, business is actually happening, now organic is sort of, you know, par for the course. You're going to look at something if, you know, if it's organic, and you're not even going to think twice about it. So one of the things that we talked about, and maybe you can talk about this just in terms of this moment in time, but then also how as founders you plan to move forward, you know, there's a very subtle difference between something being a trend or a new behavior that then just becomes a new part of how we, you know, the consumer behavior, just how it evolves, or something that's a trend that becomes very popular that then doesn't take hold as a consumer behavior and kind of changes. So with your crowdfunding and with your game plan for 2020 and expanding the business, is it a, how, how do you ride that wave? Um, I think the best way to, to approach that is to, to be um, consistent and to be um, connected to, to the people that you're servicing, you know, um, I think a, one goal that we definitely want, you know, we definitely have is to um, connect more with the restaurant owners um, so that we know exactly, you know, in what ways we can be absurd, uh, uh, a help to them and, you know, how we can kind of be a bridge between them and you know the communities that they serve and kind of let people know exactly you know what 
struggles or or what um what issues they might be facing in the industry because I think a lot of people don't really know and um, I think if we are able to grow in the way that we want to grow that we can definitely be a platform um, that is you know an alternative uh, for them and an alternative that truly have has their best interest in in heart well it sounds like you already are a platform if you have over five thousand submissions <laughs> and i'm assuming that those submissions come from both owners and consumers and people in neighborhoods you know nominating their restaurant or you know an owner saying hey put my restaurant here also i mean that you know the between you know it's one thing for people to download something um, we all have things that we download on our phones that maybe we use or we don't, but people coming to you saying, I want to be a part of this platform or I want my, this, you know, my favorite, you know, restaurant or cafe or bakery to be a part of this platform also, I think you've already accomplished that. Um, I can't tell you the number of founders for, you know, dining restaurant recommendation apps that I've had on the show that simply do not exist anymore just because they couldn't figure out how to really get the community that they wanted or it didn't work quite that way or people didn't have a, a connection to it. And so there was no, you know, word of mouth or, you know, strong engagement. You know, there have been a bunch of founders who have tried to create something and that it didn't work. So, I mean, it's almost like owning a restaurant. If you can make it past, you know, a certain, you know, number, a year or two years and number of downloads, then, you know, your chances of success definitely go up. <laughs> We are going to take a quick break and find out who the sponsor is of this episode. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We're kind of like public radio. We're a platform of a lot of voices in the food community, ranging from farmers to school lunch to fermentation to cooking to tech like this one. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, who are mostly listeners like you grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. Despite challenging circumstances, dairy farmers are working hard to make sure communities across the country have fresh, nutritious food to keep us healthy during these uncertain times. It's more important than ever to eat, enjoy, and support real dairy. Want to help? Go to wisconsincheese.com where you can order award-winning Wisconsin cheese directly from cheesemakers to keep our family dairy farms in business for generations to come. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the show on the Heritage Radio Network where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is an app called Eat Okra. It is your dining guide to Black-owned restaurants. We are speaking with co-founders Anthony Edwards Jr. and Janique Edwards. They first came on the show back in 2019 and talked about their new app, and now they are going strong and launching a crowdfunding campaign. If you want to follow them online, they are at Eat Okra, the app on social media. The website is eatokra.com. You can find them in the Apple App Store as well as the Android Store, and 
If you want to contribute money to their crowdfunding, they are at fundblackfounders.com slash projects slash eat okra. And contributions start at $10, which is fantastic. I am uh, a little more intrigued by the $50 one, which comes with the eat okra t-shirt, which you'll see if you watch their video. How did you come to okra as the logo? It's actually the perfect little icon, the, the cross-section of the okra. Yeah, so okra um, was a seed that was brought over during the slave trade. And when our designer came back to us with, uh, with that logo, you know, we understood what it meant. And we knew that, that we had to use that okra in the name. So, you know, we just put an eat in front or after it and we tried different things and at the time i think a lot of the apps were using the word eat in it so it just made sense that we you know we combined it to call it eat okra you know ultimately and it's a name that you know people has a reaction to it because people really have a reaction to okra so either you like it or you don't you know and with that being our name people get like a, a taste reaction and then like the name just like sticks and people have really been responsive to it. And then on the fundraising, it sort of lends itself really nice to the different levels of things in terms of, you know, the seed and then growing and growth and, and all of that. Uh, it, it's a, whoever your marketing person was did a really great job because uh, it has, it has <laughs> legs, right? The whole plant, the seed and then grow and the thing and all that, which is really great. Thank you. That was, that was all unique. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's looking back at the episode when we were talking before, um, you know, again, it was a moment in time about, are is this a detail that we want to be making decisions on? And again, back in, you know, 2018, 2019 with... Um, the different, you know, focus on women's own businesses and Me Too, you know, there were there were women who um, had a point of view of, um, I don't want to be the best female chef, I want to be the best chef in the world. I don't want to be a woman-owned restaurant. I want to be, you know, a local restaurant or a great restaurant or the best restaurant. Um, and there was an interesting break point between, um, you know, the the positivity of that and then people who, you know, just sort of wanted to be a part of a collective. And at the time, you know, we, we talked about eat okra and black-owned restaurants in that context. I think that that context is changed two years later and the conversations that we're having now um, with everything that's been happening in the month of June, not just, you know, nationally, but even worldwide. Um, it, it's hard. I, I'm... The thing that I want to articulate is, does it have a greater sense of urgency now? Is it a greater sense of urgency, but also more celebratory in some instances? Is it pointing things out so that people can follow, you know, follow the trail of, of their intentions to this? Do we think that this is the watershed moment where we will have more information about not just Black-owned businesses and restaurants, but who owns all of our businesses that we solicit? Um, I think to answer your first question, I, I think the urgency was always there. You know, um, you know, being 
black and being a woman, you know, I, I feel like this, the urgency has always been there. Um, I definitely do feel like the the pandemic um, definitely played a major role in and why so many people are, are talking, talking about it now. Um, I think, you know, people didn't really have anything or don't really have anything right now um, to focus on other than than that, you know, and, and, and what's going on. Um, I think everything kind of being shut down and a lot of people, you know, being laid off right now and everyone kind of sitting still in this moment um, kind of, you know, allowed people to really um, hone in on, on, on these particular incidences. Um, whether or not I feel like things will, this will be the defining moment of change, I don't know. But, you know, I'm optimistic and, you know, I have faith in people and I, I hope that that will be the case. One of the things that we have been focusing on on tech bites since the pandemic and the stay at home and the quarantine has been the current state of the restaurant industry and you know the conversation we've been having um, on a local level and a national level has been one of saving our restaurants and saving our local restaurants to help save and support our communities. And it sounds very just sort of simple, like restaurants restaurants are businesses in our communities, we need to support them. But the infrastructure that a restaurant provides in a community is so far reaching and so deeply integrated into supporting other businesses, supporting families, supporting a strata of different types of employees and workers and all those kinds of things that when we saw and started to watch the demise of the restaurant industry and the ripple effect of that through our communities, you know, that was already something that I think the restaurant community and and the public were starting to realize, A, how tenuous the restaurant business is, and B, how integral they are to just a, you know, a lively, healthy society. Already having that discussion for two or three months with the pandemic and the shutdown and already starting to focus on, you know, the economic issues and the employment issues. Then when we come into January and add this, is this even sort of like a dovetail of two things coming together? Do we think that it makes a discussion about who owns our businesses and how they impact our communities, one that people understand much more quickly today than they would have, say, you know, in January? Um, I believe so. Um, or at least I hope so. <laughs> I genuinely hope so. Um, I want to believe that people have more of an understanding. I guess, in a way, I want to say, you know, I don't think people 
kind of realize how uh, important, you know, restaurant owners are to our sense of community. And without, without them and without being able to, you know, frequent them, um, I think there is something that, that people are, are um, I think it's something that people, a loss that people felt very deeply. Um, you know, people connect over food, you know, and particularly, uh, you know, our generation, we, we love to go out, we love to eat out, and we love to, to commune, you know, over food. And I think if we get to that point where, you know, things do open up and, and we're able to, to come together again, I think people will definitely have more of an appreciation um, for restaurants and what, what they mean to us as a society and, you know, as a community more specifically. Is there anything that you both are planning on doing uh, differently now than you had in your initial game plan for the app, aside from accelerating your crowdfunding, because now, you know, you probably thought you were going to get to, you're at what, 120,000 downloads now. I think you were tracking that in like a year or two, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, like I said, my goal this year was 25,000 downloads. So like everything after this point is great. And I actually did some uh, double check the numbers this morning, and we're really at 180,000 downloads. Wow. Total, you know, and I guess that would be like 140 would have been this year alone. So far. So far, yeah, right. And so we're, far. we're only halfway, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like super excited, like, where we get by the end of the year, um, you know, what this campaign will be able to, like, really get in front of more people, you know, doing with some different type of marketing we'll be able to, to do. Um, we really had to uh, focus more on delivery, making sure that people can start their delivery option through the, through our app. And that's what I think is really gave us so legs. You, you mean delivery for the restaurants that are on your app, not delivery of you as the app producer delivery of the product of the app into the app store. Yeah. So we, we showed like the links of who the delivery partners are for each restaurant. So if I'm a Grubhub account user um, and the restaurant that I'm looking at have, uses Grubhub as well, I can just tap that link in uh, our delivery section and it'll just open your phone but like switch apps and open up the Grubhub app and take you straight to that restaurant. So you, for you to start your order. What so that, are some of go ahead, when sorry. it comes to like, that was something that was probably critical for the past few months for restaurants just to be able to survive? Yeah, very. We saw a bunch of restaurants like really had to because of COVID, a lot of restaurants had to rethink and, and get up to speed with the internet, really, in the web and just having a presence on the web and, and like really starting to connect with these delivery companies because you know, before they just relied on foot traffic or their regulars and stuff, but now not being able to have both, you had to, you have to have a web presence. And as we've discussed many times on this show, a lot of restaurants, their tech level is 
pencil on cocktail napkin or CFO towel. You know, they're so busy and occupied with the business of making the best dish and making the best service and creating a great product that a lot of them, you know, aren't really super tech oriented. So a lot of uh, challenging pivots, I think, across the board. Is Are there any other types of, you know, apps or interfaces or things that have come out of the COVID time that people have been requesting or problems that you've helped solve? Um, one thing that we did add in our, our latest, um, our latest version was the marketplace. Um, we, we kind of, we, we started, um, implementing the marketplace onto the app where, um, people, uh, businesses can sell, you know, spices, rubs, sauces, or condiments, teas, or you know, coffees, uh, through the app. Um, it's, you know, we're at the infant stages of it. It's something that we plan to expand even more. Um, you know, as, as we, you know, acquire, hopefully acquire more funding and more support, um, we'll be able to, to develop it even more so that, you know, it's just another, uh, stream of revenue, uh, for, for for business owners who want to go some, that route. Yeah, that's something that's been quite popular, um, putting up merchandise for restaurants and gift cards and things like that so they can have some income while the restaurants are closed and while they're not able to, um, you know, conduct their regular business. My guess is that also, you know, if you have, you know, almost 6,000 restaurants to add based on submissions – you know, that tells me that people, you, you, know, you there's a percentage that are probably business owners who are doing the smart thing to be listed in a guide. But then there's also a percentage of people probably who this is the place that they love. And, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, being able to buy something from a restaurant, maybe people who don't live in the neighborhood anymore who want to send something to somebody or, you know have that memory of something and, you know, because again, as you said, you know, food is the thing that we rally around and gather around. And food is one of the last things that is very unique to a city or a town and a place geographically. There's so much of when we travel from city to city or even from country to country now where the retail environment is exactly the same. You have exactly the same stores, exactly the same things, and it gets harder and harder to find those things and moments that are genuinely unique to the place that you are. And oftentimes those things are food. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's how a lot of like people are using our app, you know, they're traveling or they're new to a new city or something like that. And what's the first thing we usually do is we look for a place that's familiar to us. You know, we, we want a taste that's familiar. So we ask our, who our hosts are or something like that. Like, what, you know, where, where is the, the best barbecue spot? Or where is, you know, what, what do I do? What do I eat while I'm here? And, you know, we want to be that app where it's like, oh, check it out. Um, eat okra. I have a list. You know, these are the restaurants I recommend, you know. And a lot of people are doing that. Or they're just using it when they travel. 
Are you, do you have, I saw that on the fundraising campaign that the most expensive, go big, $25,000 donation for maximum, an expansion of Eat Okra to an international city, the international city of your choosing. Yeah, we get a lot of requests to expand to a different city. Uh, you know, are you coming to London? Are you coming to Canada? You know, are you coming to South Africa? Uh, pretty much once a week. And uh, we, we want to get there so bad, but, you know, there's a lot of things that has to happen technically, uh, as well as resources and research to get over there. But, you know, if somebody wants to generously uh, contribute towards that, we will be happy to, to take that on. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like I like the big ones, you know. Um, and when, when we talk to founders about, you know, fundraising and how challenging that can be, you know, there are two things that founders always say. One is, if you want money, ask for advice. <laughs> and if you want advice, ask for money. And then the other thing that a lot of uh, founders and people will say is that it's almost easier to raise one big chunk of money than it is to raise you know, smaller chunks of money. So who knows? I mean, you only need four people and then you hit your, then you hit your mark. That would be exciting. The international city of your choosing. So $25,000, if somebody's listening and they want eat okra in their town and they're a, you know, high roller, this is it. This is it. Yep. This is it. This is the moment (laughs) you have 49 days to go. (laughs) So we know that you have a hundred thousand dollars is your goal. Um, in the near term, in, uh, you know, in terms of the plans for expansion for Eat Okra. But I always do ask my founders who come on the show, I mean, in addition to this funding, which is going to be a big thing, what are the things that you're looking for to move your business to the next stage right now? Um, there is a part of the tech and the food tech, the restaurant world that is so, uh, you know, community driven and collaborative. Um, connect, you know, connecting people. We, you know, always try to connect people to resources if we can on this show because we have a, a pretty deep bench of, of guests and people um, who have come on this show. And then, you know, outside of that, we have the entire Heritage Radio network of people, which is pretty impressive at this point. You know, having been on the air for more than ten years, we have thirty-five live shows a week. In addition to the hundred thousand, which is not small. But what types of things are you looking for in terms of resources for your company going forward to hit those big goals? What would be one or two of the top things that would really help take you to the next level? Hmm. Um, I definitely think, um, I think I mentioned kind of... um, getting more in touch with our network of, of, of owners, um, figuring out how we can, we can do that. Um, I do think that there are a lot of, you know, people who are in the space of, of, uh, creating content, um, foodies people who you know all they do is you know go around and 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 check out you know the latest restaurants the the hottest dishes you know I think we need to really focus a lot on our network 
with them as well. Um, and also, also um, kind of connecting with, with people who are in this space of, of um, helping, you know, um, I, I got an opportunity to, to listen to, to the show that you did with uh, Food and Finance High School. Yes, I love and that. I love those people in that school. Yeah, I, w- I was just completely, uh, completely blown away by, you know, just what they were able to do, what they were able to accomplish, and how effective they were able to be um, in such a short, you know, short span of time with, you know, you know, raising the funding, getting together with all their partners and and kind of building that network in such a short amount of time and being able to service, you know, their, their students and, and uh, all these different communities all across New York City. And, you know, that was very inspiring to me. And that's something that, you know, I hope that Eoker will be able to accomplish at some point, to some extent, you know. Um, but yeah, outside of those things, just continue you, to develop the app and grow. Are you working with um, other tech partners, internet partners? I'm thinking of, um, you know, uh, companies that maybe host restaurant websites or other, you know, apps or things like that, or, you know, what your relationship is with some of the delivery companies. I know I don't, you know, in terms of, um, you know, consolidating relationships of networks that, you know, everyone's are kind of already involved in and maybe just harnessing them with a little bit more focus would be interesting to think about. Are you getting a lot of phone calls from people who want to partner with you right now? So we are getting a bunch and we're, we're just doing a lot of vetting and being careful because, you know, we don't want to jump into anything too premature. And mm-hmm. especially while things are in this sort of bad, bad or like the thing to do, Right it's the top of the news cycle. The top right. of the news cycle, maybe. Yes. The top we of the trending make, hashtag. Yeah, we don't want to be, make any decisions that's going to like compromise our integrity. Um, so we're, we're just working that out, taking our time, and just not making the rest of the decisions. But yes, we are receiving a, a bunch of different <laughs> calls from different companies. I feel like you're in a car, driving a car, like, and Eat Okra is your car, and then all of a sudden you hit that turbo boost and just went from zero to 2,000 miles <laughs> per hour, and now you have to still drive the car at 2,000 miles an hour and make sure you stay on the road you want to, you want to be on, like, stay on the path without, you know... Crashing and burning. Exactly, and, and getting, you know, whiplash from the G-forces a little bit. But the upshot is that Eat Okra is an app, and it's easy to scale technology. If you were making something, um, an actual physical product, it would be probably a little more difficult to manage all the demand. Well, I want to really thank you both for taking the time to come back, uh, especially on Father's Day. I'm going to say again, happy Father's Day to Anthony with a side shout out to Janique for making that possible. And um, I will say have a great time with your baby girl, Bradley, today. Uh, If you want to learn more about Eat Okra, they are eatokra.com. 
is the website. You can find them on social media at Eat Okra, the app, Twitter and Instagram. If you want to make a contribution to their crowdfunding campaign, go to fundblackfounders.com slash projects slash eat okra. You have 49 days to make a contribution. They start at $10. Um, if you, you know, are really looking to go big, there's that $25,000, bring it to the international city of your choice, which I think is fantastic. If you want to hear uh, the first episode, that's episode 164. It was broadcast in January 2019. It's really a good one. Um, I mean, I love all my shows, and I feel like the the parent who's like, I don't have a favorite because I just love all my guests and my shows um, equally. But it's it's an interesting to hear the conversation from that moment in time and then the conversation today. Um, anything I missed? Anything you want to add before we sign off? Also, you can, uh, in our crowdfunding campaign, you can sponsor a restaurant of your choosing. So you can nominate basically a restaurant and, um, you know, contribute to what their membership costs would be for three months, six months, or a year. So you could potentially pay a, a restaurant uh, to be on our app for a year. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to know. That's really great to know. Um, okay, yeah. Go for the crowdfunding, follow them on social media, and subscribe to Tech Bytes. Give us some great reviews. Come back and see us again if you're interested in the Food and Finance High School episode that was 2009. Stay tuned. We're going to be doing a Food and Finance High School student senior graduation takeover episode. Um, they are all going to be graduating on Friday the 26th, which is really wonderful and a great big deal. And these are our, you know, restaurant owners and chefs and sommeliers and food writers of the future. So um, it's a really special, special group. Um, I think that's it. I think we are coming to a close on the episode. As always, I'm going to thank Heritage Radio Network for keeping everybody online and on the air during this time. It's never been more important to talk to each other, to talk about what's happening in our food community and you know, have the comfort in the conversation and visit with old friends. Um, if you're interested in more shows, go to heritageradionetwork.org. If you are interested in becoming a member, the time is now. We are doing our summer membership drive, and we too um, are raising funds, and we too have great swag. We have Heritage Radio Network bandanas, which are great to tie your hair back in a restaurant if you need to cover your face because you're going running in the park like I do. Um, become a member, get a bandana, and give all of us the opportunity to come back a year from now and get the update on Eat Okra Part 3, hopefully Tech Bites episode 310, and um, hopefully, you know, eating something delicious. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.